Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Well, happy Easter, Oak Hill family. Today we begin a new series called Living Hope. And if there was ever a time we needed hope, it's now. And we know that biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's actually confident expectation. It's confidence that something better is coming. It's, it's this living hope. It's alive. It's, it's active. And it fills us with eager expectation of what's coming. And so today we begin this new series through the book of 1 Peter called A Living Hope. And the people of Peter's day, they needed hope just as we do, perhaps even more so. And so we're going to look at the first few verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. And so if you've got a Bible this morning, I encourage you to get that out. And uh, if you're kind of new to the Bible, uh, 1 Peter's toward the back of the Bible. And so if you get to Revelation, go back uh, to the left a few pages and you'll find 1 Peter. I also want to encourage you as we make our journey through this book, you may want to have a notebook or a journal of some kind just to take some notes as we uh, make our way through this book. It may be a helpful way to, to keep uh, studying through this book together as we walk through it over the next several weeks. And so I'm going to start by reading through the very first five verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. So this is the word of God. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we're going to begin this new series called A Living Hope. Peter speaks about this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so I want to ask just three questions as we make our way through these opening verses today. Three questions about this living hope. So number one, why do we need it? Why do we need this living hope? Why do we need it? Secondly, how do we get it? And then thirdly, what difference does it make? So living hope, why do we need it? How do we get it? And what difference does it make? Let's start with that first question. Why do we need it? Why do we need a living hope? I think we need it because we've blown it. And you may wonder, where am I getting that? Well, as we begin in 1 Peter verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so right away, we find out who the author of this book is. Peter is writing as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as someone who's been commissioned and commanded by Jesus to write down the very words of God carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter had been an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. He had a front row seat to the cross and to the resurrection. And so he's writing out of this experience. 
And yet we know Peter and we know his backstory. Some of you who have read through the Gospels, and I encourage you to do so if you haven't, you remember that Peter became a disciple. He was a fisherman and Jesus called him to be his follower. And it didn't take long before the rest of the disciples agreed that Peter was the the leader of the group. He was the outspoken leader of these disciples. And we kind of fast forward through the story to the Last Supper. And if you recall those events, you remember that Judas had just gone to betray Jesus. And then Jesus looks around at his disciples and says, you will all fall away. Well, Peter flexes his spiritual muscles and pipes in and says, even if all of them fall away, I won't, Jesus, I won't, I will not. And yet Jesus looks at him, I think, with eyes of compassion and says to him, Peter, when the rooster crows, you would have denied me three times. And we know that as we follow the rest of the story, there Peter is beside a fire and looking as he's looking at the events that are unfolding before him. And three people come up to him asking if he has any association with Jesus. And he denies his Savior three times. And the rooster crows and Peter weeps bitterly and he's broken in his sin. And he feels like a failure. He he blew it. He had written himself off. And yet Jesus didn't forget about him. Jesus loved him and pursued him in his sin. And when he rose again on that third day, he restored Peter and actually commissioned Peter to be a leader in the church. And that's good news for us. That's a living hope for us today because all of us are failures. All of us have blown it, right? And we can have a second chance. We can have a new start, a new beginning. Our lives can be changed by Jesus just like Peter. And so we need a living hope because we're failures who have blown it. Secondly, we need a living hope because we are exiles. We are exiles who are not home yet. In verse 1, it goes on to say, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so Peter is writing to a group of churches that are filled with people who are literally perhaps exiles, who have been dispersed and displaced into the northern part of the Roman provinces above Israel. And so you can see on a map here kind of where they are, and perhaps this letter was being circulated amongst the churches, uh, starting here with Pontus and kind of in a circular fashion all around to these various churches in Asia Minor in modern-day Turkey. And so some people think that he's speaking about literal exiles, but most people would agree that he's speaking to us as spiritual exiles. We know that even in other places in 1 Peter, where it says in 1 Peter 2, 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And so so now he's speaking to us as exiles and sojourners in this world. This is not our home. We've been dispersed and displaced, and we're living like foreigners here. We're living like aliens here. And I don't know about you, but over the last several weeks, at times, I've, I've felt kind of like an alien, right? And some of us, we're starting to look like aliens. 
<laughs> now, now um, please, please understand, I got permission to, to show these pictures, uh, Jill and uh, JD and, and Jay, thank you, wherever you are. And I don't want to make light of this situation by any means, but sometimes it's just good to laugh, right? Uh, we, we can even look like aliens in this world today. And yet the people in Peter's day, the original audience, they felt like they were truly aliens, exiles in a foreign land. And they were to live differently and to make a difference by being different. And yet they were fearful and, and sad and shaken. And, and so are we in this time, aren't we? we? We feel like even our homes don't really feel like home anymore. And we feel like we're just exiles passing through. This is not our home yet. And so why do we need this living hope? We're failures who have blown it. We're exiles who are not home yet. And we are sufferers who are just trying to get through it. We see in 1 Peter 1.6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And so Peter's writing to people who are suffering. And the worst is still coming. He says later on in 1 Peter chapter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And so we know this, right? There, there's no way we can get through life without suffering. And there's no way we can get through suffering without hope. These people perhaps are, are waiting. They know that even on the horizon, there's persecution coming to them. Some of them are in the midst of it even right now, this fiery trial, these trials that are testing their faith. Some of them are even being imprisoned for their faith in Jesus. And we may think, well, how does that relate to me? And yet, some of us even right now, we feel like we're imprisoned in our own homes. We're being quarantined to our own homes. A while back, uh, Paul Lager sent uh, this text with just a picture uh, to all of us elders. And uh, we were supposed to guess what in the world this was. And if you can't see it from a distance, what it is, is he and Char have this post uh, up in their house, and it's chronicling kind of this whole uh, quarantine. And it's marking off the days of imprisonment. See those tally marks up there? <laughs> so... Uh, thankfully, they're making the most of this and, and they're putting like little notes of what they've done over the time of their imprisonment. And so let me just run down just a few of their highlights since you can't see them there. So on March 19th, they made venison sausage. Pretty exciting. A week later, they gave blood. And so they're kind of increasing in excitement here. And then a week after that, in April, April 3rd, they, they fenced in their yard so no more rabbits could get in. And, and so that's, that's what they're doing during their imprisonment, along with a lot of other things. But seriously, when we think about the lives of those who are being persecuted in Peter's day, and, and even our own lives right now, um, some of us feel like we're in a prison. We're in a prison of loneliness. A prison of depression that's setting in. Maybe a, a prison of addiction. Um, a prison of, of isolation. Just, just want to 
be with other people that you love. And so we, we can kind of relate to some extent to this feeling of being a, a sufferer, of walking through these trials. And we need a, a living hope, a, a hope that won't die in the midst of suffering, a hope that, that sustains us, a living hope. And so why do we need it? We need this living hope because we're failures who have blown it. We are exiles and we're not home yet and we're sufferers just trying to get through it. And so that leads us to the second question. So a living hope, why do we need it? And then how do we get it? So if this is the living hope that we need, then then how do we get it? Well, here's what Peter says in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so he, he speaks of this great mercy and he's, he's praising God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's worshiping God. He's bursting out in praise. Why? Because of God's great mercy on his life. Peter had experienced God's great mercy. This undeserved love and pity towards sinners like you and me. He, he knew firsthand the mercy of God. He had experienced that in his own life. And I don't know about you, but when you go back into your own story and you start, start thinking about um, your faith and, and your growing up years, I think a lot of us, instead of thinking about God's great mercy, we were thinking more about our own good works. I got a picture of this uh, this past week, and so I was uh, playing outside with my, with my kids, and we were playing uh, disc golf, just kind of a homemade version in our own, uh, you know, lawn uh, just around our area and Harper it was her turn to throw her frisbee her little disc and she threw it and it went right on top of our roof Uh, thankfully not too far up and so I had to get the ladder out and I climbed up the ladder and got her disc and for some reason that made me feel really good it doesn't take much these days right and so I was just like flexed my muscles like yeah and then Lily took a picture of me and that's that's what you see right here I know it's kind of pathetic, but it is what it is. And so uh, this picture, though, made me think a lot about how we have a gospel here in Iowa that we are believing in. Um, we're being duped into believing this is the gospel. And here's what it is. It's this Iowa gospel of, hey, I'm a good person. And so we're going to climb the ladder and, 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 and start by saying, I'm a, I'm a good person, you know, at least compared, comparatively to others in my sphere of influence, I'm a pretty good person. And not only that, I go to church, and so here, climb another rung on the ladder. I go to church, and so I, you know, ever since I was a kid, I, I was baptized in the church, I went to confirmation, I go to church, and then climbing a third rung, I, I believe in God, you know, intellectually, I know there's a God, I, I believe that there's a God. And so we, we think about our faith like climbing up a ladder. And when we get to the top, we think, well, Hey, I've got faith. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty, pretty well. And yet the gospel is not about me and, and what I've done. It's about Christ and what he's done. And so listen, we need to think less about ourselves and more about Christ. It's not that we've climbed up the ladder. It's that Jesus has come down to us. 
Jesus is the strong one, and he's climbed all the way down to us. And so it's not so much an Iowa gospel of good works. It's this gospel of great mercy. It's not about I'm a good person. It's about Jesus is a good Savior. None of us are good, no, not even one, Romans 3 says. We're all sinners, and yet Jesus is the sinless Savior who has come to save us from our sins. And it's not so much that I go to church. It's that Jesus went to the cross. That's what saves me. He went to the cross to take all the punishment I deserve for my sin. And he rose again. And it's not so much, hey, I believe in God. Here, mental assent to this truth. It's, it's that Jesus, it's that Jesus gives me faith as a gift by his grace so that I can believe in him. It's all about him and his great mercy. It's not a ladder up. It's love came down to save us. And so Peter is is praising God for this great mercy. And this this great mercy has caused us to be born again. That's the second phrase here. His great mercy has caused us to be born again. Now, that phrase, born again, sometimes we think of that as like a Christian buzzword, maybe even a Billy Graham word. And yet, this is, this is just a Bible word, uh, to be born again. So what does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, to, to create new life in someone who is spiritually dead. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to create new life in someone who is spiritually dead. And that's all of us, apart from God's saving grace. Listen, you and I, we are born with a bent towards sin. And we can't get out of it on our own. We are dead in our sins, is what Ephesians chapter 2 says. And so we can't do anything to fix this problem on our own. And so God must take the initiative, and he has through his son Jesus, to breathe new life into us by his spirit and to give us a new heart. And when we have a new heart, it springs forth with this living hope. We're born into hope. We, we have a new life. This is not just a better, improved life. It's a whole new life in Jesus. And that's God's work. He is the one who causes us to be born again to a living hope. Now, you may ask the question, well, then what's my part to play in salvation? Well, we must believe in Jesus we must believe in Jesus. It says in John chapter 1, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so if we are truly born again, we will believe in Jesus Christ. Our eyes have been opened to see our sin and our Savior, and we want him. We trust in him. Now listen, I know that through this coronavirus, God is getting our attention. And I think he is summoning us to repentance and faith in Jesus. Jesus is alive. Are you? Jesus is truly alive. Are you spiritually alive? Have you come to the place where you've turned from your sin and trusted in Christ alone as your Savior and Lord. You can do that even now. Put your faith in reliance in Christ alone. And so he says, this living hope, how are you going to get it? 
It's going to come by God's great mercy and by being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating here today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I think we'll look back on this time and say this was a pretty important um, moment in history, right? And we're, we're living it right now. And sometimes we can focus so much on it that we forget that this event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the most important moment in all of human history. This is an actual fact. This really did happen. Jesus did really die for us, and he really did rise again three days later from the grave. And he is alive. One of the reasons why we know this is true, there were 500 witnesses or more to the resurrection. And these witnesses, many of them we see recorded in the book of Acts, actually gave their very lives a martyr's death because they had met the resurrected Jesus. He was alive and they gave their lives for him. And so when we think about the resurrection and what it means for us, we think about what it meant for Peter as he's writing this. And think about this, Good Friday, he fell on his face. He sinned, he was, he was a failure, he blew it. Saturday comes. Silence and despair. And yet Sunday, Sunday, he had hope. Jesus was alive, appeared to Peter, and Peter now had this living hope. Jesus restored him again, and now he was forgiven. And we can have this same living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I think about it today. I think we're in a Saturday. We're kind of in a dark, silent time where we are exiles in this world. We're passing through and we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for that second Easter to come. When Jesus will come again and he will restore us and bring us to himself. And this whole world will be made new I can't wait for that day. And so, this living hope, how do we get it? We get it by God's great mercy who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which leads us into our last question. So why do we need it? How do we get it? And then what difference does it make? So what? What difference does this make in our lives? And I would say just two things here that we see here in the text. This living hope guarantees our inheritance and guards our faith in Jesus. This living hope guarantees our inheritance and guards our faith in Jesus. So he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So, so notice this word inheritance. We have an inheritance. No, no disease. No decay. No death can touch our inheritance. It is safe. It is secure. It is certain. It is guaranteed. And so listen, this pandemic is going to pass. It will pass. In this broken world, it will one day be made new. 
And so we can have a living hope because there is an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. It's been kept for us even now, guarded for us by God himself. And yet we know on this earth, life is hard. Life is hard. So he not only says that he will guarantee our inheritance, but he will guard our faith in Jesus, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, Peter's readers, I bet they were wondering as they were suffering, are we gonna get through this? Are we gonna make it out okay? And and will my faith remain? And God says, yes, it will. I will guard your faith. I will keep you. I will sustain you all the way to the end, just like I did for Peter. You remember what Jesus prayed for Peter? He said this, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And I think he's praying the same thing for us during this challenging time of our lives. You know, it's not just that God would guard us from this coronavirus. That's serious, I know. But he's guarding our faith so that we wouldn't slip, so we wouldn't fall away. If you've really been born again to a living hope, he is guarding your faith even now and keeping you and sustaining you all the way to the end. And here's how he does it. He does it by you staying connected to your local church by staying connected online as we give you these messages and this online content, as we pray for you, and as you call and text and encourage one another, we continue to remain in the faith. And so with that in mind, I'm gonna close by just sharing how this past week I asked this simple question to several people from Oak Hill. I asked them this question, how has God been present with you? How has he been a living hope for you during this hard time? And listen to what they had to say. Hey, Oak Hill family, we miss you guys and can't wait till we get back together and worship together. And I'd say the last couple weeks, the Lord has taught us uh, to just slow down and not be in such a hurry and just to enjoy the, the blessings and uh, the kids that he's given us and um, also that we're not in control and we're thankful that he's in control. Yeah, uh, the first couple of weeks of being at home with the kids, I felt like I was really into you know, trying to do all the Pinterest projects and um, have them help me in the kitchen and everything just to have everything go just right. And um, the last couple of weeks I've been trying to just more uh, slow down and just enjoy this time, this unique um, time with the family and with the kids at home, and um, it's such a blessing. Can't wait to see everybody again. Happy Easter. Hey, everyone. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. Uh, the biggest thing that is getting me through, me and my 
uh, family uh, during these last couple weeks is just trusting, praying, and knowing that God will deliver us from these uh, kind of unknown times. Uh, the biggest Bible verse that is getting me personally uh, through this is Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Another one is John 14.27. He said, The peace that I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and not let them be afraid. The things that I see as a nurse, uh, as a healthcare professional, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis can cause anyone to um, kind of have fear, but just trusting and knowing uh, God has already been through all this. Um, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He will deliver us uh, from these troubled times. During this time, I've learned to lean on God's way and know that his timing is perfect. The first night that school closed, I couldn't help but cry. It seemed like the worst time for a pandemic. It was my last chance to run as a wildcat, last chance to go to school with my friends, and make some final high school memories. It brought out the selfishness in me. I was consumed on all the things I was missing out on. I so badly wanted to control what was going on instead of falling on the one who has it all perfectly planned out. Hey Oak Hill family, this is Carrie Benjamin, and I'm just talking with you today about how God has met me um, amidst the coronavirus outbreak. Um, <clears throat> one thing I feel really blessed about is that uh, I feel like I've been able to see the good that's happening around us too, even though I know it's a scary time for a lot of people. Um, I know there's a lot of blessings happening around us also. One thing I really appreciate is more time with my family and just being able to slow down. I think that's a huge blessing for not only myself, but a lot of people. Um, from a healthcare perspective, um, I, I feel like it's a great responsibility and a privilege to help care for people during this time. And one thing I ask God is that I can help in a way be the hands and feet of Jesus and serving others and um, serving others in a way that glorifies God. So that's one thing I look at every day on my way to work. I pray that I can help do good works and glorify Jesus in that way. Um, so thinking of you all, hope you stay safe, stay healthy, uh, happy Easter, and God bless you. How has God been present in my life in this time of isolation? Um, I like being home and um, I like not being out in the world. And so I feel like there's peace here. So um, in this time, there's just been more time for reading and praying and um, listening to music and even though um, I get lonely um, I'm not alone because he's here with me how has God been a living hope um, in my life um, I think about heaven a lot I read about heaven and so there's great hope in what's ahead and um, I'm really grateful for that, and um, I just try to take one day at a time is what he's trying to teach me, and not look um, too far ahead, um, but just, um, just trust him. Greetings from Jay and Rita. Miss seeing everybody. 
<laughs> this isolation is difficult, and I'm sure it's difficult for everyone. Um, one of the true measures of uh, the living hope is that Jesus is always with us. We have opportunities to talk to Jesus every day. Um, we find that more often, I think, now than ever. We cough, maybe this time to pray. pray. We wash our hands, maybe this is a good time to pray. Um, hope everybody has a good Easter, as difficult as it may be. We know that these times will pass, but we know that God is always there for us. The wishing, one, wishing you a happy Easter. The one true living hope for sure. Well, thank you to all those folks who shared about their experience. And we, we miss you and we miss all of you. But I want to I reiterate something that, that Jay said there in that last video. He said, you know, as I, um, as I wash my hands, I'm prompted to pray. And I thought, interesting, wouldn't that be a great idea for us as a church family? Whenever you wash your hands, would you pray for your Oak Hill family? Whenever you wash your hands, I know we're washing our hands a lot, so we're gonna be praying a lot. When you wash your hands, instead of singing happy birthday, let's, let's pray, let's pray for people in our church. Let's, let's pray for, for those members who perhaps are struggling in loneliness. Let, let's pray for those healthcare professionals who are serving us in this time. Let, let's pray for those who may be more susceptible to this virus. Let's, let's pray for our friends and our family members. Let's pray for one another that our faith would not fail because we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our living hope. We thank you that he has risen from the grave, conquering sin and death and Satan and giving us hope that's alive and active and energizes us with great expectations because it's all rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we pray that as we continue on uh, through this challenging time in our lives, that our faith would not fail, that we would have a living hope even in this hard time. We pray in Jesus' name.